0: Verse 20 and 21. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. Praise God. While you're turning there, we had a busy week this week trying to get Brother Peyton and Sister London to Rosarito, Mexico. We're still trying to figure out how to... We know how to get across the border, but we haven't figured out how to get back in in the right lane. It is so convoluted. And... uh, I'm sure we're going to be down there enough to finally figure it out. The other group that was with us decided to go a different route into another entry point, thinking that it would take them less time. And it took them about four hours to get through yesterday. (coughs) And we left a little earlier, so we were just about home by the time they got through the border. And the only reason we made it through in about an hour and 40 minutes is because we got in the wrong lane. And that was the century lane. You're not supposed to go through the century lane. And so the guy told us that we'll just give you a slap on the wrist. But if you do this again, it is a $5,000 fine. And you have to pay for it right here. And if you can't pay it, we impound your car and you're walking. So uh, he said, if you do it the third time, it's $10,000. So... Uh, We got to get that figured out because, okay. Uh, Yeah. So we know how to get there, but getting out is a challenge. So last night, I was bound and determined to find some information. I found out that the best time to cross is 12, 1, 2, 3, and 4 o'clock in the morning. And so only takes about 20 minutes, but if you wait any later than that, it's a long, long journey. But we got them settled. They're in their their little church. It's got like 40, 40 seats in it. It's ready to go. Their first service will be next Sunday. They're on an anniversary trip uh, the rest of this week, and then the first service is Sunday. Got all their stuff there, and so they're there. Praise God. We're praying for them, and we're praying that God uh, impacts and does great work there and uh, they're still connected and they're not that far away so we're praying for them that revival takes place in the Baja Mexico uh, area praise God if you have your Bibles and you're there in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Was not a vain thing, the work of Calvary and the work of Jesus Christ. The grace of God, the favor of God, the direction of God was not a, a work in vain. Amen. Because he loved me and gave himself for me. I want to talk just for a few moments. This is going to be very foundational, very basic information from the scripture about the mission of God. Amen. Being involved in the mission of God. and Coming home from another country and establishing a young couple in their 20s that are trying to do a work for the Lord. I was impressed to spend some time here today because each and every one of us has a mission. We're involved in a mission, and it's the mission of God. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your blessing and goodness. We thank you for everybody that today has gathered into the house of God. We thank you for the worship that has transpired, the feeling that we have felt in this place. And we ask that your word would be a strength to us today. We give to you thanks and we ask these things in your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The mission of God is God doing a work and God moving among us. We can go back to the very beginning in the Genesis account and we get the background of humanity and the ugly development of sin and its plight. Want to go on record here today, I want to say it emphatically from this pulpit, I hate sin and the consequences of sin, amen, there are consequences, there's pleasure in sin for a season, the scripture said, but there are consequences to it, and it's not all that it's stacked up to be, and so at the, the end of that path and the end of that road, there is devastation heartbreaking situations that have even happened this week, heartbreaking situations, the consequences of sin. There's an ugly, ugly development of sin that takes place. But I'm thankful for the mercy of God. Amen. In the house of God today, I'm thankful for his faithfulness and his goodness to us. So we can go to the beginning in the Genesis account and see that development. How, through disobedience, sin entered into the human race and there is a great gulf that is fixed between divinity and humanity. Seems like God is way out there and humanity is way down here and trying to connect those two entities is very, very difficult. In the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, you find that there is a mediator that is in between God and man, trying to pull these two together. God seems so very far away, and humanity seems not to be able to reach out to God. And so there is a great Gulf, but I'm thankful in the house of God today. All I have to do is lift up my hands and lift up my voice, and I can feel the power of God. <laughs> Praise God! And so, man's condition changes, and yet God remains the same. For the scripture says that there is no variableness, there is no shadow of turning in Him, God is light. He's life. He's love. And just because there is a fall of humanity, God doesn't change. He's still in the same essence. He's still in the same pattern of behavior which is reaching for us. You may have a failure. Don't stay in your failure. Your status may have changed, but God is not changing. God still wants to see you alive and well, full of light, not darkness, full of life, not death, full of love, not hate. Praise God. We serve a God that is still reaching for us. Praise God. So his essence does not change. And so humanity is reaching for God. God's reaching for humanity. And the prophet in Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2 gives to us this essence of who God is when he's talking about the coming Messiah. Verse number two, he says, But thou Bethlehem of Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me. That is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This was the mission of God, to seek and to save that which is and was lost. I'm thankful that all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm thankful that you can lay down every burden of sin that is upon you and walk away from an altar of repentance, and say, I'm not carrying this baggage anymore. I'm going to leave it in God's hands. If you're thankful for that in the house of God today, if you've got a testimony today, why don't you proclaim it? Hallelujah. And testify of God's greatness and God's goodness. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This is the mission of God. This is the goings that have been from old times. And it's going to happen, the prophet says, in Bethlehem. And so in Jesus, we see this self-revelation of God, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John said the Word became flesh. When you see Jesus, you see the express image of a spiritual being called God that you cannot see outside of his person. And his mission is to reach. His mission is is to be a mediator between God and man. This is why in First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5, the scripture says there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You're thankful for the work of Calvary this morning. Praise God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. He came to do... the work of reconciliation. Jesus is still reaching. Jesus is still trying to move humanity and divinity together. And in the man Christ Jesus, it all comes together. And we see the fullness of God complete in him. I'm thankful I know who he is. I'm thankful for the work that he has done. But more importantly, I'm thankful for the power of the cross. His blood is still effective. It's still powerful. It is still able to reach. It doesn't matter how far off you are and how far away you are. The blood of Jesus can still do a great work. Praise God. I think we need to clap our hands and thank God for the power that is in the blood. Thank God for Calvary. Amen. He's trying to bring things together. He's trying to reconcile things. We call this the incarnation when God becomes flesh. Amen. We don't say every once in a while somebody will pass through here and it's okay for them to say it's fine. They'll say he was robed in flesh but that's that's not articulate enough. He became flesh. John the evangelist said the word became flesh. Praise God. It wasn't separate from who he was. It wasn't like a coat that you put on. Jesus became flesh. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet he knew no sin. That's called the incarnation. God said I'm going to settle in the realm of humanity. I'm not an apparition. I'm not something that you can just see and I'm shrouding myself. No, I'm going to step down into the human condition. I'm going to walk on this earth. I'm going to experience every emotion of humanity because I really want to be the supreme sacrifice so that in 2023 you can understand and recognize he felt everything that I feel every bit of pain every bit of sorrow every bit of suffering every bit of difficulty every bit of temptation Jesus has felt it because he moved Praise God. Well, if you're struggling, you ought to be excited because he knows where I am. If your difficulty is in this life, you should be thankful because he knows where you are. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to serve God that just kind of as an apparition passes through life and it's really not him. I want to know who he is. I'm thankful that I know who he is. Praise God. He comes and he dwells. And some some people say he moved into the neighborhood. And it's got, it, it has Old Testament connotations because in the Old Testament, everything was centered around the tabernacle and then the temple. And so the people of Israel, the Hebrews, they were 12 tribes. And so the 12, wherever they were going, if the spirit of God moved, then they would follow the cloud and wherever it went, they would go, and then when it settled, they would set up the tabernacle or the temple. The tabernacle was temporary, and it moved. And then all the tribes of Israel would gather around, and the center of everything that was around the tabernacle. And so when God, he wasn't in the tabernacle, <laughs> the worship was there, but he hovered above it. And this is in the Old Testament, the pillar of, of fire and the cloud, they would operate based on how that was moving. And that obviously is a head nod to the fact that the Holy Ghost operates in the same way. But in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. And so they were operating this way. And the tabernacle was the place that they gathered around. Later in developments, when they built the temple and they moved into the promised land, they divided up the land among the 12 tribes. And then the temple was established and it was more a place of permanence. And so the worship still took place, the religious worship took place in the temple. And so their entire life has always been about being in the center of what God is doing, but it was kind of they were all gathered around that. Praise God. And so we understand by saying tabernacle, what tabernacle means. It means to be in the middle of the fabric of their culture, their society, their worship, everything that they would do connected to the tabernacle. When it was permanent, this was still the place they would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem and to the temple. This was a yearly thing because the temple was important. When God manifested himself in flesh, As John said, when the Word becomes flesh, Jesus is the express image of his person. He has become incarnated in the man Christ Jesus. Then he tabernacles among people, which means that he's moving into the neighborhood, as it were, of humanity. And he's doing a work. What work is he doing? This is the mission of God. And that is to bring divinity, God, and humanity in a place where there is not a distance but there is a connection in the garden sin divides It, it still does sin always divides you from God and then it will divide you from other people it will divide you from relationships and fragmentation but when God comes in the flesh And he tabernacles in the midst of humanity. It's not to bring division. It's to bring things together and connect people again to the power of God. This is the mission of God. This is the mission of God. Amen. This reconciliation is accomplished through the cross of Calvary. And there is an empty tomb because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we are moving to this next phase in the scripture of where God is fulfilling promises. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, the scripture says, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. Everyone say, A witness. You shall be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This is the call to the mission of God. It is to participate in God's effort to reach humanity and to save him and her. Just as the word was made flesh in Jesus Christ and he incarnated himself among the community of witnesses, We are a part of a community, and we are supposed to move into that community and proclaim the goodness of God. I have no sad news to bear to you today, but I've got some good news that I can share to you called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. It's a new birth message. Hallelujah. You can walk away from old things and step into new things through a death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you repent of your sins, if you're baptized in Jesus' name, there will be an infilling of the Holy Ghost in your life, and you become commissioned to step out and do the work of God. I want to know here today, is anybody excited about the work of God, the mission of God, the plan of God to affect the community that you live in? Praise God! This is the mission of God. It's not our mission. Everyone say it's not my mission. Hmm. It's God's mission. It's not my mission. It is God's mission to do what? To participate in God's effort to reach people. To be a positive influence. In the world that we live in, we are participants, and this requires a reorientation of our current religious mindset, I'm doing the work of God. It's not that the church has a mission, it's that God's mission has a church. And so God is moving in the world, and there are different churches, and they may have different vision about what they're wanting to do to accomplish the mission of God, but ultimately, it's God's mission, not my mission. It's God's mission, not the church's mission. This is God's church, not my church. We say, I love my church, and that that's wonderful, and I understand what you're saying, and I say it sometimes, too, but ultimately, it's not about me. It's about God, and it's God's mission that was established here in this city, and it's still going forth in this city and beyond this city because it's the mission of God to reach out and proclaim and tell people there's a better way. There's a better way than the direction that you're going. There's a better thing to achieve. It's the mission of God. 300 years after Pentecost, it seemed like Christianity lost its fervor for its mission and it became institutionalized all the efforts were to preserve the institution called the church and not reach the world that was lost in an attempt to make the gospel appealing to secular society it became something other than the mission of God and so it turned inward it became about the parish church history tells us that it began to focus on the local body and the needs of the community of believers. And so it turned inwardly. It became some of the seeds of the Crusades. The Crusades were not, think about this, the Crusades were not about spreading the mission of God. The Crusades were about Conquering lands for political power and the Christian, quote unquote, Christian state. So if a ruler was Protestant, then that province was Protestant. If the ruler was Catholic, then the province was Catholic. And so they were warring over political demands and functions. And and, and, and it became a religious thing wrapped up in political stuff. I'm I'm thankful that we're not a part here in this place here today of religion. I don't want religion. Religion is dry, it is stale, and it's losing ground. I want to be here because there's an experience in God, praise God, that is powerful, a new birth experience that transforms and changes lives. Praise God. Not something that's dry, but something that is alive. Not something that is dead, but something that is lively. Not something that is powerful powerless, but something that is powerful. And so if you go back in history, you can look at uh, things. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Please try again in a little while, says my phone. (laughs) You look back in history, you see some of these declarations that they make, like in the Augsburg Confession of 1530, the church is the congregation of the saints in which the gospel is purely taught and that sacraments are rightly administered. So there's this focus inwardly. The Anglican 39 articles affirm the visible church of Christ is a congregation of faithful men in which the pure word of God is preached and the sacraments be duly ministered. Again, it's about the church and preservation of the church. The Heidelberg Catechism of 1563 says that out of the whole human race from the beginning to the end of the world, the Son of God by His Spirit and Word gathers, defends, and preserves for Himself unto everlasting life an elect community in the unity of the true faith. And so the gospel. The experience became more about congregation and preservation and not the mission of God. I've said this multiple times, and we need to keep saying this because this is so very, very true. If we're not involved in the mission of God reaching, we are dying. If we're only about preservation and the congregation and everybody that is here presently, we're missing out on an opportunity of other people that are looking for something different in their life. That's the mission of God. Our church needs to be not just about physical buildings and not just the people that have been in the building for a while, but we've got to activate the buildings and the people in the buildings to reach the people outside of the buildings because that's the mission of God. You need to proclaim it on your job. You need to say, God's been really good to me. You need to testify, man, you should have seen me before I came to the Lord. I was a mess. I was mixed up. I was dysfunctional, but God set me on a better path. He dug me out of the miry clay. He established my feet, and I'm standing on something that is solid and valuable. They became so transfixed On preservation and congregation Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 was lost Matthew 28 verse number 19 Go ye into all the earth and make disciples It was lost When the mission is lost The message is lost Individuals began promoting the idea of who are we to say who is saved or who is lost. Calvin creates this double predestination thing that there's a a certain few that are going to be saved and a certain few that are going to be lost. We don't have any control over that. That's a God thing. Who wants to live in an existence like that? I want to live for God knowing I've got free will and a conscience to give God my life. Praise God. I want to understand and recognize there are other people like me in the community. Praise God. We are tabernacled in this community. This place needs to be an in draw and an outflux of God's anointing and power. Praise God. are you thankful that in the house of God we have moves of God? We can never get away from pursuing a move of God every service that we experience because somebody may need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Somebody may need to lay down some burdens that they've been carrying. Somebody may need the empowering of God's anointing and presence and healing, and it can be found in this place. Praise God, when there is unity in the house of God toward it. They focused inwardly. They, they, they left the mission of God. The lack of mission caused this. People became disinterested. And, and if you gave a little bit of an offering or if you were doing your duty, you could feel good about yourself and then leave. But as a result, it removed the need of personal commitment to the cause of Jesus Christ. And the end result was an establishment that even today, the churches are closing their doors. Amen. You You know why we're still pushing forward? Because we realize that somebody else needs the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's not just for me, but it's for somebody else. The scripture said where two or three are gathered together, he's in the midst. But it's for more than two or three. Praise God. Hallelujah. There are people in this city that I emphatically believe are looking for something different in their lives. They're dissatisfied with culture and politics and everything else. Hallelujah. Let us be a church that is on fire, that you can feel the anointing of God and the power of God that has an answer. Praise God. Nudge your neighbor, look at them and tell them, I have an answer. I have an answer. And the answer is Jesus. If all we do is live and work and play and never share what God has done for us, then we lose our power. Remember, going all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 3, we get the mission of God from the very beginning because he says to Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Praise God. (laughs) I want you to say something to yourself here this morning. I want you to say what this, this mission of God that is given to Abraham. Abraham, I'm going to bless the earth because of you. You need to say to yourself sitting here on the church pew here today. I am a blessing to Bakersfield, California, the greater Bakersfield area of California because of God's blessing on my life. You, yeah, you, you are a blessing to this community because of God's blessing on your life. You say, well, no, that's not me. I don't have much to offer. Well, then you're missing out on the blessing of God. Praise God. You need to redirect your mentality to understand you're a son and daughter and a child of the king. And because you're here, you're a blessing to other people. Praise God. Maybe, maybe there needs to be a, a change in your mentality when you walk on the job. You need to walk on the job with the mentality that says, I am here And I am going to bless everybody that is around me because I've been blessed of God. We need to get off the negativity. We need to get off the criticism. We need to get off the paralysis of the world that is around us and recognize we're in the world, but we're not of the world. The world is is frustrated. The world is discouraged, but we're a part of the mission of God. The mission of God is greater than what is in the world. This is why the Scripture, Scripture says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You need to walk differently than the world. Amen. Praise God. The mission of God should be normative. It should be normal in the church. The gospel doesn't end in thought, but it moves to decision, and it moves to action. Praise God. The mission of God was not for you to achieve a cap and a gown, a framed certificate of completion, or for success in your life. But the mission of God was to emphasize the power of His Spirit, hallelujah, and the way of the Holy Ghost in your life. Praise God. We cannot separate the summons of the call of God to the mission of God from serving God. If you're serving God, you're talking about how good God is. If you're serving God, you're Doing how good God is. Amen. Has God been good to you here in the house of God today? Hallelujah. Is there a reason to serve Him today? Has there a reason to be involved in the mission of God today? Praise God. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. He's been very, very good to me. How dare I sit in a pew and complain about my life when God has blessed me richly, when He's given me the Holy Ghost, when He's washed away every sin stain i've got reason today in the house of god to be a blessing to other people hallelujah come on stand to your feet and clap your hands today in the house of god and just thank him for a few moments thank you for your mercy thank you for your favor thank you for your grace and your blessing. Woo! Come on, somebody lift up your voice and just thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. It's the will of God to a thank him. <laughs> Praise God if I'm getting too comfortable. Let me get into the mission of God. God praise God, you' be seated. What is the mission of God? It's going, It's teaching, it's proclaiming, it's telling. I think sometimes we, we, we make it too difficult. <laughs> we make it too difficult. It's proclaiming, it's telling. It's, it's living your life as a living epistle. I was, I was uh, thinking of this message when Brother Larry Kaufman was telling me the company that he works for, he, is, he, he has his pilot's license, and so he flies them everywhere. And he's a, an employee, so he basically has to do, when they say, we want to do this, you if it's in the schedule and it's all possible, you, you get in the plane and you take off, right? They're paying your paycheck. so, uh, And so they, they told him, we, we want to run over to, to Vegas and we want to spend some time over there in Vegas. But they said to him, if you'll take us over there and bring us back, we'll make sure that we're back so that you can be in church, They say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means those people that he's connected to because of the life that he's proclaiming, telling about the goodness of God and the mission of God and the work of God, they recognize that it's important because they are blessed through him. That the company is blessed through him. And even though they're in Vegas doing who knows what gambling, drinking and all kinds of other stuff. They know we got a pilot that's an apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled pilot that can get us home. We better make sure we get him home so that he's in church on Sunday. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Amen. I'm not talking about getting up and moving to Rosarito, Mexico, because that's the mission of God, which it is. I'm talking about every single one of us can get involved in the mission of God and make an impact in our world. Praise God. And there's other people in this place. You have the same testimony where people recognize, defer to you, talk to you, come to you in counsel, speak to you. Why? Because there is something about your life that is a blessing to them. You don't know what connections are made and inroads that are made to bringing together humanity and divinity together. How how many times do I have to invite, proclaim, and tell? It doesn't matter. You just keep telling people about the goodness of God. You don't know when they're going to show up on a church pew. Or God may say, you know what, you've reached for them. They really don't want it, but I'm going to find somebody else based on your activity to draw them into the house of God. They may come in off a website. They may come in off a business card. They may come in off an invitation. But I'm telling you in the house of God today, this Pentecostal experience is for everybody. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell it. Proclaim it. Testify. Release it. It's the mission of God. It's supposed to be activated. Our salvation is a calling. It's a calling. The gospel is a call to take up your cross and follow him. It's to call people to salvation. Amen. It is to participate in what God is doing. And that is the key. I am I'm participating in what God is doing. This this is our prayer today. God help me participate in what you're doing. If if I don't see it, I want you to know that I'm a, a willing uh, servant and I want to be a conduit and a flow. So I'm praying. That you just allow me to be used to participate in what you're doing. This is evident all through the scripture. God needs to save his people in Egypt. But he has to have a man by the name of Joseph to participate in what God is doing. When God gets ready to lead the people out of Egypt, he needs a Moses who would participate in his mission. When there is a giant that is speaking to the children of Israel and they're in the valley of Elah standing on two outcroppings. And there is no movement forward and a small shepherd boy comes in to the camp. David said, is there not a cause. I want to be a participant in what God is doing. Everybody else looked at David and said, Who are you? Just a ruddy child. His brothers told him, Go back and take care of the sheep. You're not a warrior. What are you doing out here? And sometimes this gets in our mentality. What can I give? Who am I? I don't have talents, abilities. What, what, what am I? What, what, what do I have to offer? Listen, you gotta step up like David and said, There's a cause. I know everybody else may denigrate and downplay. my my capacities and abilities but I'm going to participate in what God is doing and so when I see giants that are forcing collisions and confrontations I'm going to say to the giant you come to me with spear and sword and staves but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord the army of the host of, of Israel praise God I'm coming to you with something that is greater Amen. As the musicians prepare this morning, God needs a willing participant. He needs a willing participant to participate in what he is doing. Jesus, in one of his final prayers, actually, it was the final prayer in the garden in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 40. When he comes to the disciples, he finds them asleep and he says unto Peter. What? What? Could you not watch with me one hour? He wanted someone to get interested in what he was doing. This was the greatest prayer of all time. The final prayer before his crucifixion. This was the prayer of submission to the will of God. He was doing this for the salvation of the entire world. And yet the disciples could not remain interested even For just one hour. When we get interested in what God is doing, he will get interested in showing us what he is doing. Amen. If you're not interested, it's very, very clear, very, very fast that you've checked out your board. You know, those conversations that you have when you're talking to somebody about something and you realize that about halfway through your story, they've checked out. they're, They're not there it would it would behoove you just to stop because you're going to waste words, time, and effort because they're not there. They've they they've already they've <laughs> they've already moved on. They're thinking about something else. You can kind of see it on their face. Their eyes are glazing over. They've become disinterested. And here the disciples are. All all God is wanting is for people to become interested in the mission of God, and then He shows them what He is doing. But if there's no attitude of God, I'm 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 interested in what you're doing. I want I want to be involved in the mission and work of God. Praise God. If there's no interest there, there's going to be no direction. Praise God. They could not watch for one hour. We see throughout the scripture instances as we stand together in the house of God this morning where People, in some cases, they're taken from great revival into places where God's working there, but He's got a greater work somewhere else just because there's a willingness in their heart and life. In Acts chapter number eight, there was an Ethiopian eunuch that was challenged by the prophet Isaiah, he didn't understand it, he was just one man. Who had been to the right place for the right reason and was reading the right book. He'd been to Jerusalem. He was returning. He was reading the word of God, but he didn't have an understanding. <clears throat> there was a man by the name of Philip in Acts chapter number 8 that was having a revival. And God spoke to Philip and said, I want you to arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. And, and Philip doesn't say, we're having great revival here. I'm not leaving. He just gets up and he goes way out into the desert. He's following what God is doing because he wants to be a participant. He arose and he went. There's a man of Ethiopia, of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for it to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join yourself to the chariot. He he leaves all of this, and he makes his way to a single individual because he wanted to be a participant in the mission and work of God. Praise God. When you show an interest in the work of God, God shows you what he wants to do. Acts chapter 9. There's a man by the name of Saul that's on his way to Damascus with threatening letters in his hand. And there is an encounter with God. He's knocked to the ground. But Saul, who later becomes Paul, has an interest in the mission of God. There is a man in Acts chapter number 10 by the name of Cornelius that is a devout man. He gives offerings his whole household. But he needs something from Peter. To explain to him the way of God more perfectly. Cornelius was willing to be a participant in the mission of God. And God shows Peter an opportunity. He and his household are baptized. And they are filled with the Holy Ghost. When we buy into the biblical concept that it's God's mission. Everyone say God's mission. God's mission has a church. God's mission has a church. 1943 that was started in Bakersfield, California. It's the mission that's still going on. Amen. We're not we're not going anywhere. We're thankful for what we have here, but we could move from this place to the east side, to the west side, to the north side, to the south. We would go anywhere, and the mission of God would still be operating. It's not connected to a building. Guess what? There are people that are gonna pass away, there's people going to be born, but the mission of God doesn't stop. It continues to move forward. Amen. Can I become a participant in what God is doing to incarnate and tabernacle myself in this city and say, God, show us where you're leading. Show us what you're doing. Show us where you're reaching. Amen. I want us to lift our hands and pray that prayer in conclusion here today. God, we thank you and praise you as they prepare to sing. Hallelujah. God, use me in the kingdom of God and let me be a willing participant. Hallelujah. Come on, pray and pray and say the word. Show me. Show me. You can, use anything, Lord, you can use Show me, me what you're doing, Lord. Praise God. if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands. Take my hands.